woke up, so I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm still in the dreamlike state. Nice, man. But you got your coffee? Yeah, it's got, it's right here. I was, I was, uh, in, in the dream world, I was wandering around New York. Um, I've never been there, but I was just sort of exploring the architecture and I was thinking like, man, this is, this is my next book. <laughs> Nice. I was, you I was got like, it already. You yeah, got yeah, your next like, book already. And I was like, I'm going to call it. It's, it's going to be about this idea of like Gotham City and like the two cities. Because I don't yeah. know if you've, you've ever heard, but there's this like myth of like um, um, uh, Gotham as as kind of one side of New York, and then um, is it like Mega City from Superman? Do you know? What the- um, I haven't. I'm not sure about Superman. Oh no, Metrop. It's just Metropolis, right? I think is the name. Yeah, yeah. So in Superman, I think it's Metropolis, and then mm. in Batman, it's Gotham. But they're two, they're, and they're like two sides of the same city. Um, but yeah, anyway. I love that you're you're thinking about a future book before you've even yeah you know, in my dream the, actually the as well. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic, man. Yeah, no. So that, that was interesting, and just like exploring the city and like being like, oh man, this would be a really good good thing to take a photo of, and like thinking that. Um, um, and then yeah, I just had a bit of a sleep in, and then I, my alarm went off. And I was like, I better get up. <laughs> better get up for the pod. Get, get Here up we for go. The pod. No, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all good. How, how have you been? Good man. You know what? Spring is just around the corner. The weather oh, is absolutely gorgeous. The feeling and the atmosphere in London is sort of really kind of coming alive. And I think it's it's partly due to you know all, all COVID restrictions ending as well, but. You know, today it was so sunny and people are smiling for the first time, you know, since like last October or something. You know, people are smiling and people are walking around in kind of a little bit, you know, a few less clothes than usual. Um, It's great. It's a really good feeling. Maybe it feels like closure in the beginning of something new. That's right, bookend. Like COVID has been bookended by this this awful war, but the the I mean nobody's talking about it anymore. It's just completely gone. Yeah, COVID. That, that's interesting. I think this, the changing of the seasons can be quite instructive, and um, it's coming into autumn now here in New Zealand. And uh, like last night, I just sat there on the corner of the road, just watching the sunset. And it was this beautiful mm. kind of orange, sandy glow. And uh, it, was, it was a strange day, but it just sort of the, the, the colours just felt so different. Um, and I was just like, "Wow, this is it," you know. And there's a little bit of a chill in the air, not quite cold, cold enough to to call it winter or, or anything. But it just you can feel the change. Um, and there's something beautiful. It sort of tells your body that it's like, yeah, because the seasons keep going no matter what, right? Like the the human affairs are, are, are limited to our sphere, but the world just keeps on turning nature keeps going yeah yeah um but that's good to hear that it's um springs on the way i mean it, it it's in a way it's like new, new a new start right it kind um, of is i feel like that and um you know the the winter was quite difficult staying on the boat for the first winter was quite hard for me i found it you know difficult to keep the place warm i'd wake up in the morning and just be freezing and then you know, it's, I could I could have a fire at night time, which was great, really nice. But as soon as the fire goes out, goes out, the temperature just drops. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, and and the rain sort of seeps in a little bit because there's a few holes in the roof and stuff like that. But I got through it, and um, I'm really really looking forward to summer here in London. I think it is going to be a sort of like new chapter. Yeah, 
No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, man. Um, I think getting through hard times, I often think the analogy is like the, the apple, right? Like the, the simple apple is a fruit that only grows when there's a, a cold enough winter. Uh, to, I mean, same with many, many different trees. Uh, they actually require a period of, of cold and a, and a cold snap to actually activate them. Um, and so that's why, um, you know, having to grow an apple, you, you need to have a certain number of, of really cold days over winter to actually activate the, the bud and, the, and, and mm. the tree so that it produces fruit when the spring and the summer comes. And I think it's the same with creativity. You know, if you if it's always the good times and you, you can become mm. a bit lazy and um, even decadent because you, you're not faced with austerity. But with... Um, difficult times you can produce um, and refine and, and it kind of snaps it out and you, you're you able to, to produce fruit when the time is right again. Kind of like a reset button, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, would you say you're a very nostalgic person? Yeah, man, absolutely. Jesus Christ. But the weird thing is, is um, I, I think I've talked to, about this a little bit before and it's really hard for me to put into words but I'm nostalgic for things that I haven't necessarily experienced um, and I don't know if that's because of the sort of culture and sort of media and all that but like yeah. listening so I've been like recently um, I've been really getting back into Bob Dylan yeah. um, I used to love Bob Dylan in high school like huge 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 fan massive influence on me and um, recently so just sort of getting back into him and listening to his old music and today I heard a song by him that I'd never heard before, which is which is a shame. I couldn't believe it. Um, North Country Blues. And it's this really, like, melancholic song about um, an ore mine that closed down in Central America and... Uh, sorry, Central North America. Um, you know, and it closed down and the whole town was abandoned. Um, and it's, it's from the viewpoint of this one lady whose husband you know, went off to the mine one day and didn't return. Mm. Her brother went off to the mine one day and didn't return. Mm. Her father went off to the mine one day and didn't return. Listening to this song, I was just like, there's there's something inside me that really resonates when I hear this, these lyrics. And like I said, it was the first time I'd heard them. And um, the only way I can explain that feeling is nostalgia. Mm. But how can I be nostalgic for something that one, you know, one, I'm not American. I don't know what it means when Bob Dylan talks about these things because I only have a very, like, thin connection to what he's talking about, right? So where, where does that come from? That's what I'm really interested in. And also, um, recently, I, I actually wanted to start this pod with, with a poem. I wanted to read you a poem. Oh, please. It's by an American poet called Mary Oliver, who um, I talk about as well quite often. I really love her poetry. And again, when I hear these words, it's just like nostalgia for me. I'll read it to you and, and, and see if you get a sort of, sort of feeling. It's called Wild Geese. It's one of her most famous poems. And I think anybody who knows Mary Oliver or is a fan of poetry in general will probably have heard this poem before, but it goes you do not have to be good you do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting you only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves tell me about despair yours and i will tell you mine meanwhile the world goes on 
Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting over and over announcing your place in the family of things i'm getting chills just reading it like jesus christ yeah meanwhile <laughs> meanwhile the world goes on um meanwhile the world goes on i fucking love that line yeah i, I was having a think yesterday as i went for a walk and um i was having to think about this idea of like um forests and how how forests um, are this thing, you know, ancient forests that have just, uh, that they've happened and through this this very complex natural process that they've grown and mm. they've become what they are. And then f- for mankind to, to look at that, you know, because I, I picked up a, an acorn and I thought, you know, well, if I planted this, because, you know, I've been experimenting with a vegetable garden, you know, if mm. I was to plant this, you know, would, would an oak tree emerge? But then I realised, like, that, that's a very human way of thinking. It's like cause and effect. It's one, you know, one, two, three. It just, you put it in and it grows an oak tree. But you realize that a forest, you know, a, an oak tree would never live by itself. You know, in, in, in nature, it would be part of an ecosystem. And it, that ecosystem, you know, it doesn't mean that every acorn needs to become an oak tree because there's mm. already so many of them in the forest. It, it only takes that one special one. And that's why it's it's actually really hard to make a tree. You know, they don't... You know they don't grow in abundance, um, mm. and even like you know fruit trees and, and different things. You know they're, they're not something that was uh, that they're not a, a, a thing that was in nature. You know they've been selectively bred by, by mankind to to you know to produce fruit, and and the original versions of them were quite a lot different. And so there's this kind of complexity to nature um, that is intertwined. I think with the guardianship of of man or humankind to mm. to look after it because we've we've changed so many different things you know I, I realize it's like we're living in these cities that we've you know we've cut down forests and we've done all of this stuff and so now there's a a, a necessary kind of guardianship or, or stewardship of the land um, which I think in Maori they call kaitiaki and it's like nice. this this idea of like looking after the land um, and. I, I don't know. It, it kind of resonates with what what you just shared with me because you know nature is is this very complex system, but we have also such an impact on it and such a relationship to it. But we're also inconsequential to it. Um, mm. it it's mm. very interesting, I think. We are part of nature, but we have such a dominating effect over it that we have to really be careful. I think some cultures are really, you know, like you just said, the Maori. They're really aware of this and. I feel like Japanese people are quite aware of this in general as well, um, whereas English people, I'm not so sure as much. Yeah, well, that, that's the, intro, yeah, the cultural concept. Like, so, yeah, ka- kaitiaki, which kind of just refers to this idea of, of looking after the land or guardianship of the land in, mm. in, in today or Māori. But in, in there's, there's other concepts related to that, which is like, you know, if, in the old days, you know, if they, they overfished a certain area, they would let it. They, they would put this sort of um, restriction on it to, to mm. stop anyone, you know, going there and fishing from there until the stocks had returned. And so it was like quite a quite a basic concept, but it's something that we're only 
just picking up now with things like you know fishing uh, in the oceans and that and and, and the depletion of, of fish stocks uh, but it, it just got me thinking though because I was I don't know I was just walking around and thinking you know there's no way that the, the forest how do I put this there's no way that the forest will re, will regrow as intended um, without the input of mankind who originally cut it down and what I mean by that is like when you cut down the forest what returns is some you know you get like gorse um, you know kind of weeds and things like that and mm. that that actually takes over because you, you've 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 cut a hole in it and and now that those you know just weeds and, and smaller smaller bushes and things have, have got in and and it's never going to grow back to be the the ancient virginal forest um, which grew over you know thousands millions of years to get to that point um, and and there's so there's so many layers of history and and, and interconnectedness of that system, um, and I feel like the same could be said for cities. Um, mm. And I got and this got me thinking. And I was like, man, I'm I'm on the I'm beginning to work out the philosophy here. But there's a there's a philosophy of of the city where the the, the place you know once you try and rebuild it back and you try and plan it and you try and make it, it, it never is quite the same as something that sprouts organically and is able to just fix itself and be a complex system without the, the kind of the interruption of humans. You know, it's, it's bigger than, than people. And so I look at somewhere like Wellington, which is, I think, quite an organic place originally. And, you know, it's got some very interesting um, kind of landscapes and quirky areas. But you look at planned cities and how different they are and, and just how less human they are. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all connected, man. <laughs> Sorry. I love it, man. And actually, this just sort of made me think about also tying everything back into the nostalgia thing that we started to, uh, talking about a little while ago. Mm. Like, looking back at your life, um, you know, five years ago, and, and, and you might be like, oh, I'm, I'm really nostalgic for those days. And then what you could do is you could try to engineer your life now so that it, you know, looks like it did five years ago. But you're never going to get that true feeling that that happened. So, you know, for example, when I was living in Australia, I was really, really happy and I was surrounded by a, a wonderful group of people. And it was really just this wonderful two years of my life. And, you know, what I could do now in London is try to engineer my life so that it looks something like that like it did back then in Australia but that that happened just naturally mm. and I won't be able to get back to that by over engineering it you know what I mean well regarding Australia actually last night as I said I was, I was watching the sunset um, and it reminded me of Australia because I was in Sydney for a, a little while about six months and uh, I just I recall the the weather and this the the summertime because it was there over summer and the just the the profound weather um kind of the, the ashen skies um there would be like forest fires and things over in in, in the hills and, and that would come over and it would, it would dye the sky these these incredible colors um you know un, un unimaginable in new zealand but there was just this vibrancy and, and for me it was quite a transformative six months because I left New Zealand and I didn't I had never really traveled overseas at all but I went over to Sydney and I just was trying to find my place in the world you know and and it's it's a big place you know it's it's a big city um you know people are busy and it's 
it's just a different kind of way of living so I had to kind of adapt to that um, but I, I found it very inspiring and I, I fell in with a group of friends and um, it was like a language group and, and we were just all hang, hanging out and we were all kind of we had all drifted in from different parts of the world and so we were we had this this group and it was I get quite nostalgic for that because it was very pure um, you know it was it was the good days the good days but it happened naturally right it wasn't forced or anything like that yeah I mean I look back on it it was it was natural and it was so it was so pure and basic and my worries for the world were so small and insignificant hmm. and uh, today I, I'm like I look back on that and I think, well, I've, I've achieved a lot of the things that I dreamed of in those days. Um, but with that, I've also taken on a great deal of uh, uh, knowledge and awareness of the wider world. And so I no longer have that naivety um, of just going about my life. But I don't know if I would ever have wanted to continue like that. You know, at a certain point, it becomes regressive. I really resonate with that. Yeah, and that sometimes I do think that naivety is is bliss. Sometimes I think, or not even sometimes, like a lot of the time, I'm thinking too much, and I'm I'm overanalyzing a lot of situations and and things where I I shouldn't be thinking too much. And if I did have some of that naivety and just sort of like let go, life would be so much simpler. I, I think there's a there's a a natural uh, a virginal kind of naivety where it's like the forest uncut sort of uh, as is but then there's the learned the learned naivety of of the person who replants and rebuilds and and re- reforms it in the image of what mm. it once was but in a mm. in a way that is like um, aware of, of what it had done by destroying it in the first place I, I don't know that's <laughs> like um, to be naive forever is to turn your back on on wisdom, you know. And um, yeah, there's a healthy balance. There's a Tao there, right? Yes, yes. I've got a book recommendation for you, by the way. Oh yeah, please. So um, recently, I've been my my Saturdays are very much planned. Basically, I go to this coffee shop in the centre of London called Omotsando Coffee. Oh. Um, which is, yeah, they have like sister sites all around the world, but they have, you know, their their main partner store is Coffee Mamea in Tokyo. Beautiful coffee shop. Um, so I go there and I have I have some coffee and then I wander, wander over to the library, the London library, which I've been really into. And just letting whatever I find to take me you know whatever I find interesting I'll pick it up and flick through and then um, I come across some really wonderful books and one book that caught my eye um, I'm not sure if it's too new I think it's a few years old now but it's called Underland by Robert McFarlane oh. um, the, the cover is gorgeous this is a hard cover copy so there's no there's no cover the dust mm. jacket is missing but yeah Underland by Robert McFarlane mm. um it is a wonderful, wonderful book all about um, the world under our feet. So, mm. you know, he's talking about caves and he's talking about the ground and mountains and volcanoes. And it's just the way he writes is just so captivating and so wonderful. And it's full of these gorgeous pictures 
And he starts this. He starts the book with uh, writing about cave paintings from like millennia ago. Mm. You know, when when modern man suddenly discovered that they could create paint, mm. and then they so they started painting on the caves in France and you know around the world. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's how he starts talking about it, and then he just goes off on this wonderful journey of of the world beneath our feet. And this is a book that is right your alley you're gonna love it yeah no I, I i'm um i think i've heard of the name before um I, I will check it out um i've been looking for some more books to actually to stack my my reading list um it's interesting what you mentioned about the caves i i used to go for these walks in the in the redwoods in in, in havelock north um so near my, my hometown and uh the there's a couple of small cave areas that were mm. you know people used to live around there and um it got it got me thinking you know like what we talked about with the forests before it's it's like you know i think you can look back on ancient man or the old days and think well you know that this long time ago maybe they don't know anything but actually they they were just as smart as as we are today and they had the Mm -hmm. same capacity maybe they didn't have um uh, you know, understanding of, of um, you know, some of the modern uh, technae and the modern science and things like that, but they still had the the, the, the imagination and spiritual capacity of of, of, of of us today. And and it got me thinking that there's actually quite a lot of knowledge that has no doubt been lost and is unknowable and as to what they knew about nature and the systems of nature and our relationship to nature. Um you know how how did they know? Um, you know how did, even before that. So you know that was kind of you know ancient man. But even say you know fifty, hundred thousand years ago, some of the, the you know the the, the very earliest um, ancestors um, of of humankind. What did they know about their relationship to nature and their connection to to it? Because they mm. no doubt lacked um, you know the the, the the technology and the level of mediation we have today uh, but in, in a way they would have had a more direct connection and and you know i, I don't know i just i just think about that because there's no way for us to know what knowledge they have because we only have records from once things started getting written down yeah um and so you know we we can look back on on ancient greece or or you know there's there's, there's a, a, a very much a limit to how far back we can go but we know that mm. there were people before then um, but we can only conjecture what, what what their life was like, you know. Yeah, and what they were thinking and what they were doing, and yeah, well, you know, what what did they hold important, you know? And I have no doubt that they their knowledge of um, biology and different um, different species and, and 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 animals and things. I have no doubt that it is probably more sophisticated than what we have today, because they would have known. All of the different animals, all of the different trees in their local, you know, area, and exactly what they meant, and they would have had stories for each of them, stories connected to the stars, um, you know, great imaginations of of the wide wider world, um, and you know, I, th- I think it's easy to characterise it maybe as, as quite a brutal period, um, or you know, unsophisticated, uh, you know, savage, perhaps, you know, going back all the way, but I, I just don't, I don't know if I buy that, you know, I think there was a a spark of consciousness and that led to this this 
kind of wider admiration for the world, uh, which was no doubt, um, you know, a beautiful, um, a beautiful development as as mankind kind of discovered itself mm. um, from from nature and then became necessarily involved in that stewardship of the land as 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 humans became more, um, you know, they they were able to. Um, you know, flourish from this small tribe into a, into a larger, um, you know, to, to cover the entire planet and, and outer space as well. And so, we've kind of been a you know, it's, it's a very adaptable species that, that has overcome yeah. nature, but is still part of nature in a way. Um, Have you ever read anything by Graham Hancock? No, the author. He uh, wrote Fingerprints of the Gods. And also Magicians of the Gods and, and many other books. He's a prolific author. Um, I'd recommend checking him out on like Joe Rogan podcast or, you know, something like that. Read read Fingerprints of the Gods. So he yeah. has a theory that modern civilization has been, you know, been there before. The, the modern civilization that we sort of think about when we say modern civilization, you know, with sort of technology and sort of an, a deeper understanding of the the world around us and space around us. He thinks that this has all happened before and there was a giant cataclysmic event that destroyed the planet or, or sort of like destroyed it so far that we haven't been able to see remnants of this past history it's been you know it's been so wiped out by um either an ice age or or um a giant comet you know uh, colliding with the earth um and he thinks that this is not the first time that we've been like technological you know maybe not in the exact way that we are technological now with computers and high-speed trains and all that but that you know ancient man ancient 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 you know we're, we're really talking long time ago now he thinks that they were very very um technological and we um we think that it was all just neanderthals you know twenty thousand years ago but in fact possibly there was another civilization that we've missed yeah that's interesting i, I mean i, I uh, when, I, when I used to live live with my grandparents, um, I used to watch a lot of the History Channel, and I mean, I, lo- <laughs> I mean, you know, it's we were uh, there, there is a there, there is a line between like oh, you know, this is I want to I want to believe it's like the X Files, you know, I, w- I want to believe, um, but at the same time, I, I look at what we do know, and the you know, with, with like ancient you know ancient Greece and um, mm. ancient Rome, and and just the level of sophistication that was there you know and that was mm-hmm. you know that we, we we know that and i think you know actually there there was there were certain arts and certain um, practices which were more advanced than what we have today you know mm. the art of oratory and and, and and speaking was you know clearly more advanced in, in ancient oh, yeah. greece um ancient rome um their ability the mastery of language the literature um was far superior to what we have today. In <laughs> fact, all of mm. our work today is derivative of what they were doing. And so, you look at that and you think, well, that 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 they were this very small, you know, these city states, um, very small populations, very small educated populations, but yet they were still able to develop these this stuff that is still the reference point for for, mm. for, for modern civilization in terms of literature, you know. Um, 
and anything. Yeah, man, there, there, there's there's something there, and they didn't have the technology side of it, though they did have technology. Um, but what we have with technology, we almost lack in philosophy and understanding of of ourselves. Um, it's kind of like the trade-off, you know. Because um, yeah, it's 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 magical and unimaginable the level of technology that we have today, but just as then you know a lot of us are uneducated as to what that means you know no one here really knows how to build a computer or do any of that we just happen to be users of that technology so it's not that it's not as if we made that technology someone else did that was team it's a team effort as well because if you ask somebody to build a computer from scratch they would be able to do certain parts of that but there would be other parts that they wouldn't be able to do like you know machining it for example or coding it or something you know that it's it's sort of like a group effort where s- people have to come together right mm. and i think some of the systems like systematic thinking of how you know it's, it's not just a again the human thinks you know well we just do one two three four and it's linear but by building systems say um you know for like free market or um you know schools as a system Mm. you know or um, democracy as a system that allows a lot of other things to flourish and it just kind of it kind of does it on its own once you have those in place Um, uh, and and a lot of those were available to different differing degrees in in ancient times uh, but some of them didn't emerge until later and it was with the emergence later of say um you know the scientific revolution kind of scientific process and that enabled a whole lot of other things to happen you know so there's yeah there's there's kind of a history of 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 processes and then a history of individual technological achievements history is something that fascinates me so deeply now but in high school i was just completely oblivious to it i hated it i I think it was because of my teacher right you you associate a subject with the teacher that teaches it and if you don't like your teacher then you're not going to like the subject but um it's one of my great sort of you know i'm really really sad that i didn't pay attention more in history class and i want to know more about british history especially um you know when i was in japan i I got really into learning about British history because I didn't know much about it at all. Um, but it's so diverse. It's like, where do you jump in? Where do you start? You know? Yeah. Well, you know, the first history to start with actually is your own history. True. Very true. Um, I've, I've always been interested in this. Um, uh, we, we call it in, in New Zealand, we'd call it like whakapapa. It's like your, your lineage, um, your genealogy. And you can trace it back Um and for me, you know, I, I trace it back in, in many different paths. I can trace it back to the UK, you know, to England, Cambridgeshire. Yeah. Cambridgeshire, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that, and I can trace it back to, um, you know, other, other, other parts of the world. I can take it further to um, uh, Normandy, to, to France, um, that's, that side of the family, and, and that. So I, I can go back in time and look at this and, and, and kind of connect with what it meant at the time. Um, and it situates me as in, in the lineage of, of many people before, and there there'll no doubt be many after. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's kind of beautiful. It's like the river, the river of of life in a way. Mm, mm. Um, I do need to dive more deeper into my history. There's a couple of really fascinating parts about my. Well, firstly, my surname French means that you know my 
one of my great great grandfathers must have been a, a French soldier. Um, mm-hmm. That's what it seems to point to. And then something uh, that my family has been like joking about for such a long time is that my grandfather on my mother's side looks very Asian and I speak to my grandma about this all the time and she doesn't know where it came from but there's definitely some history in his family um, of some Asian either Chinese or Japanese or maybe Korean Um, but there's a picture that hangs behind my grandma's like favorite chair at home in her house and uh, it's a painting like an oil painting of my grandfather and when Chia saw that she was like Jesus, he looks like you know, he looks like some Japanese guys. It's mental. Yeah. Um, so I need to I need to find out where that history uh, ends up. I need to find out. Yeah, it's it's a lot more connected than than people think, you know. And we all come from different areas, um, and um, it all yeah, it, it all comes together. And no doubt, our lineages may have crossed in the past. You know, mm, um, I think so. And you know, maybe that's that's why they're crossing again today. You know, it's I, I don't know that the systems of nature. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's it's too much for me. I, I just take photos, but like you know, there, there's something going on there. But yeah, no um, nostalgia, man. I, I can um, I can definitely understand that. I can connect with that. Um, and I think as you as you come into the springtime, uh, where you are. You will no doubt look back on the winter that was tough and difficult and you'll look back on it with a little bit of fondness, I think, and you'll think, man, I got through that. Um, It was all good, you know, Um, and all is right in the world as as that cycle completes. Um, I think it will be. I think, you know, it will be all all right in the end. Yeah. Um, That's great to hear, man. I just had, um, I guess one other thing I wanted to talk about just right now, you know, there's maybe a lot, there's a lot of things going on in the world, a lot of uncertainty. Um, mm, it certainly is. No doubt everyone's aware of, of all the different things happening, but um, I just I just want to talk about that a little bit. I, I don't really know where to start, but um, <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of noise out there right now. There's a lot of, uh, I want to say lies, but also just mm. general things general information that is not worth your time um and how do people how can people get through the day without worrying themselves about what's happening when they don't necessarily need to and it doesn't it doesn't actually necessarily reflect what is happening in reality as well mm. you know like well i mean what, what are your thoughts well i've been on a bit of a news hiatus for a long time um I haven't really watched or consumed the news since probably like Trump, right? Since 2016, Mm. um, when Trump started dominating the sort of news cycle. Mm. And um, I was just like, I can't can't keep up with this anymore. And ever since then, I've, I've made it sort of like, you know, my thing that I don't watch the news. I, I try not to ingest it as much as possible. Um, of course, you still hear about what's going on in the world from from people around you so you're still clued in but there are people who believe that you must watch the news you must keep abreast of what's going on in the world Mm. or otherwise you'll fall into some abyss of of not knowing an abyss of happiness and bliss an abyss of happiness (laughs) sounds sounds about right Um, but the weird thing is that if you are you know, consuming the news every single day. Um, you know, my father's quite, 
he loves his 24-7 news channel. Um, If you are consuming that every day, what is it doing for you? And also, what is it doing for the situation? Unless you actually get off your ass and and donate or you do something, you know, you donate some clothes to Ukraine or some food or something like that. Unless you're doing something like that, which is actual action, physical action, what is watching the news doing for you or the situation? It's it's not helping at all. Yeah. I mean, and and I guess that's what I wanted to get at is, um, um, you know, the reason I reflect on this is... um, Recently, Rena's grandfather passed away. Um, yeah, I'm sorry and, to hear that, man. Yeah, um, oh, he, he he was a he was a good guy, and uh, I spent a lot of time with him uh, when I was living over there. Um, but I, I've been reflecting recently on, on what I learned from him, um, uh, from Oji Chan, and um, I mean, he, honestly, he, he was just uh, he was so chill. Um, you mm-hmm. know, he was a ripe old age, um, and we often talked about. Uh, World War Two, because he lived through mm. that as a as a young boy, and um, I always come back to the way he just, just described, um, you know, living through the fire bombings of Tokyo and the the strife and the difficult times uh, that he had, you know, which is a, in your, uh, you know, an unimaginable, unimaginably difficult uh, time to live through, you know, physically in that space in that time, um, you know, the city being you know burnt down and bombed to oblivion. And his his approach and his attitude to that, which was one of this kind of uh, almost lack of um, really worrying about it at all. It was sort of like, you know, this is a thing that happened. Mm. Our, our neighbor's house got hit by a bomb, but ours didn't, so we were okay. And then eventually it burnt down anyway. Um, you know, running home, you know, I think maybe biking home as, as the bombings were happening and trying to get, you know, get away from it. But just, you know, this kind of nostalgic approach that he had and, and he described it to me on, on a number of occasions. And I look back on that and I think, wow, you know, this this gives me energy to really appreciate that there's a, a fear that lives within the mind and there's a f- and that's it. The, the, the fear that, you know, lives within the mind gives form to what is out there. And so when yeah. it's on the other side of the world, for me, you know, you know, somewhere like Russia or that, whatever's going on there, I don't know. I don't really know the truth because we're not on the ground, man. And there's, there's clearly something going on that's not, you know, the media have been so full of shit for the last two years I and mean, since forever, mm. really, that I have no doubt that what they're telling us about the, the war is, is also wrong. fabricated. Yeah. Um, I don't want to know, but it's like, look, you know, I've got people who have connections to both Russia and Ukraine, you know, who I care about and I, and I care about that their families are okay. But beyond that, the, the political machinations and, and why this is all happening I, I, I don't I can't find out what that means because I'm just not in that circle but for us on the ground I was, I was, I was walking around actually with Rena on the night that Oji Chan passed away and we didn't know about this until later but we, we were sitting down at the water on just in the waterfront there and watching the ducks and watching the sunset and it was so beautiful and peaceful and we were saying to each other we're like man this man this it's not it's not happening to us. It's not. It's not real mm. here where we are, and that's not to take away from the people who who are experiencing that difficult time. But we we have had our difficult times as well, and when the when the difficult times come, you you enter into a different kind of mode. Uh, I don't know if you've ever mm. had that, but it's like, um, you know, you you fight or flight, and you know when when you're in a real situation where there's something really that's uh, you know immediately dangerous, you you deal with it. But when the fear lives within the mind, you're unable to deal with it. 
And mm. so for Oji-chan, you know, riding his bike through Tokyo, you know, when the fire bombs are dropping, it's like, yeah, it's clearly what you need to do is get from here to there and get away from it or you need to evacuate, you know. And there's something quite pure and, and clear about that. You know, you just need to go. You just need to get away from it. But when it's imagining... Mm. This, this thing, this, this existential crisis, you know, is there going to be a nuclear war? Is the world going to end? Is, is Putin going to pull out? Is he going to attack NATO? You know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You start thinking about that and it just becomes the cycle of, of negativity in your brain. But then isn't that, isn't that what the media kind of wants yeah. for you to be, right? They want you to be in that sort of fear mode all the time because then what are you going to do? You're going to buy some stuff to make you happier. You're going to watch some TV, play some video games. It's not unconnected that at the moment everyone is talking about the video games Horizon Forbidden West and Elden Ring. You know, the war in Ukraine is causing people to be scared out of their minds mm. here in the UK and America mm. and all around the world. And, oh shit, I can't do anything because I'm in America. Oh, I'm going to play my video games because it's going to allow me to escape that fear mindset. Yeah, and, and I think that, that, because there's actually a third one, there's the fight and the flight and then there's the freeze, right? And you, ah, the stasis, yeah. right? And that's sort of like the possum playing dead. And in a way, that, that's the one that they get you with is that you freeze and you become static yes. and you become unable to do anything and unable to think. Um, and then they can they can do the old switcheroo and and put something else in there, um, mm. and and I think I think that's what they're trying to do. I, I don't know. It just mm. it's, it's so clear to me now compared to where it was a couple of years ago. You know, um, I, I I don't think this is a, a subjective thing. I think objectively, the, the the global fear and just the the way people approach things has gotten progressively worse over a number of years. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, maybe since the, the Trump era, you know, this whole, this whole media cycle thing. But I think I, it is. I think it went into overdrive because of Trump, didn't it? I think yeah. Twitter really started ramping up with all that stuff, and the mainstream media really just went into overdrive. There's the reality of a situation, and then there's the mediation of it. And what's interesting with all of this stuff is that the the, the average person doesn't know the reality. The, the truth you know there is there is facts that are involved but when they get mediated they take on a different um a different angle and what i mean by that is like well, what is it about the war in ukraine or about trump or about any of this stuff that is is truth you know can you give us some facts all right and then just give us the facts don't put any adjectives on any of it <laughs> let us analyze that and talk about it but the way they spin it it's like cricket man the spin bolt just goes through the legs and knocks out the, the wicket you know um <laughs> there's there's absolutely an angle on every conversation now um mm. which mm. i just don't recall it being so strong or maybe i just didn't notice it maybe years. we didn't notice it but also the problem is is that you can watch a different news channel to find a different spin on it you know you can find, spin your, spin. Yeah, you can find your spin exactly the one that resonates with you so just cut yourself off from it man and yeah. this is why i love this twitter um chrome extension that you sent me recently yeah. that just hides all of that fluff from twitter and it just gives you the timeline in the middle what is it twitter tweak new twitter chrome extension and it allows you to get yeah. rid of all of the fluff 
all of the the trending t- hashtags, all of that stuff on Twitter on your on your desktop, and just see your timeline and the people you're following in yeah. chronological order. But yeah, I, I did I did just want to bring that topic up because um, I, I know p- people may be having a hard time or they don't they don't know what to do. But I, I think um, reflecting, meditating on on what I learned from Oji Chan, uh, bless his soul, is is this idea of um, you know it, it's it's all good. You know, it's it's going to be okay. And he, um, you know, the, the amount of propaganda they were subjected to back in the day was was phenomenal. You know, and they didn't have the access to the internet like we did, so it was kind of like a a less aware world, um, but mm-hmm. also more um, more targeted because they were able to just um, directly um, send the propaganda to the people over the radio and that. But um, yeah, you know, the the reality of of it is, you know, we don't know what's going on. And we aren't we aren't able to know what's going on um, unless we're there on the ground. And when you're there on the ground, you suddenly become aware of the complexity, and the the black and white thing goes away because you, you start to realise well, actually, there's there's all of these different um, motions and energies kind of flowing around the situation, which means you know there's not clearly a a right or a wrong, you know. And the the difficulty with with something like so far away is even if it was right here, we still wouldn't probably know what's going on. But when it's on the other side of the world, for me, when it's coming in through English media, um, it's like, man, it's so many steps removed, it might as well be just entertainment. Um, it's filtered, yeah. And, and I remember feeling the same way when the um, Desert uh, Desert Shield, um, the second <laughs> the second Iraq war happened. Um, and I was, I was looking at it, I was like, man, what, what is actually going on here? It's like a video game, man. This, is this is this even real? You know, and it turned out there was no weapons of mass destruction. There's nothing. It was all bullshit. But they ended up making it happen anyway. But at the time, it was like, yeah, Saddam Hussein. He's got he's got weapons, but he never. And he's did. ready you know, to push the button. Yeah, they, they never found them, and it was like, yeah. And I mean, whatever. That's you know, that's that, and it's history. But it's also like that was the whole reason for going in there, and. Um, it was all just sort of swept up, and it was like, man, they connected nine eleven with, with 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 Iraq, and it just at the time it seemed natural. It was like, yeah, that's the right thing to do, but actually, no, it's it's not. Um, and um, I, I think we, we're we're in the same situation right today, where it seems like there's a clear right and a clear wrong, um, and we and it's easy to try and get on the bandwagon, but it's also like you need to take a step back. Um, Do you think the media is ever going to recover from this sort of crazed position that they're in at the moment? Is it going to swing back the other way? I mean, we're just it, this is just nuts at the moment, isn't it? The 24-hour news cycle and just the the chaos that the media is sort of um, So I've, I've been I've been getting into um Plato recently. Um uh I I've ordered a copy of The Republic. Uh it hasn't arrived yet, but I've been reading about it. Um uh, obviously, I need to read the source material as well, but I've um, just been kind of reading about it. Um, and in that, there's a lot of talks about, I guess, philosophy, um, governance, different kinds of structures of society, um, that sort of thing. And um, it, it really got me thinking how we're in this period of the sophist- sophistry, uh, we're in this period of, of rhetoric, and, and that our leaders and the media, it's this, it's this one way kind of just you know of you know the stream of information stream of bullshit uh, but there's no discourse and so the conversation you and I have which I consider to be discourse to be dialogue is extremely rare um, there's of course podcasts you know out there that do that and, and some new media but 
in terms of the old guard the old the old media the old way of doing things um i feel like we're in this kind of terminal death spiral of um mm. you know how how much further can it go you know because it is literally just lies now <laughs> like, mm. on, like, yeah. like truth and reality have become uh totally disconnected from what is being said on, on the media um and uh, yeah what, what's the next step i don't know man what what, what do you think Ah, oh, I just I can't see where it's going to go from here. I can't see how it's going to get worse. But um, I don't like what's going on, you know. And um, people, people who I consider friends are just getting wrapped up in 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 all of the the crazy hysteria of it all. And um, I've. I've sort of noticed that people's personalities have changed over the last two years and I'm really concerned about it and I, you know, I, I do really worry about that because they're people who are super close to me. Um, it's, it's a shame, man. Yeah. No, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've uh, lost friends over, over this stuff. Mm, um, yeah. my, my thinking is too, too radical uh, or whatever, but, you know, they, they find a reason to justify it and I think, man, that's... That's not right. That's that's the rhetoric speaking for you. Um, but I, I do want to, um, um, I guess, just in that section though, just by coming back to what I, I guess what Oji San said, you know, Oji Chan, he, you know, this this idea of of just chilling out, man, just let it flow mm. through you. I mean, mm. I, I think it's a, a very Buddhist kind of thing as well, um, which maybe explains why it's it's a little bit different. In, in Japan and different countries where there is this kind of Buddhist undertone but kind of let things be um, I, I think primarily the preoccupation with this is is in the West as in you know English speaking um, countries primarily but you know the West generally um, New Zealand as well and in particular this is kind of obsession with with control and and ownership and, and the material um, it's all coming to a culmination and it, it it's indicative to me of a kind of a spiritual crisis uh, um, and, and I don't mean that in the kind of the woo-woo kind of way but just like well, mm. what what is important to us as a society mm. um, when you know in New Zealand the most important thing if you ask anyone is is to own a home which obviously is, a, is an honor you know an honorable goal but it's that's not really then that's not a spiritual goal that's not a a, a, a personal development goal that's a, it's a, a you know it's a, a, an individual economic achievement and so our entire society is based on this idea, this ownership of, of, of something that's not even really real. You know, it's, you, you, you're, you're, you're there. The land is always there. The human is the temporary component. And, and I think it's the same in, in the United States and, and a lot of other countries where it's this kind of obsession with, with ownership and with the material. And it wins out over the, well, in the short term, it wins out against, say, the, the development of the self and the acceptance of, of your own position in, in the world um, but over the long term what that leads to is this situation we're in today where you know Oji Chan you know burning down and a lot of my favourite authors man like even Dasai Osamu he wrote he wrote his book like literally in the in the bomb shelter in West Tokyo during the fire rate you know fire bombings and that and he was just sitting there you know with nothing you know everything he had had, had burnt away and he just had him and his family and he was writing, writing these, these short stories and I think man that's that's an honourable and virtuous thing to do, and and again, coming back to, to Socrates and Plato and like what what is honourable, what is virtuous, um, what is it that I must do? 
um, it seems like we've got this huge conflict right now anyway in society mm, I think think you know the the chasing after a house for example or um, chasing after things items uh, stuff to fill your home with or stuff to make you look good um, it's a very selfish pursuit isn't it and I think that is um, that is what's causing the breakdown of of society a little bit I think this sort of like just me 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 um, and and not focusing on the sort of community around us or or the the social community yeah you know, our culture in in large um, and it really bothers me like London is very very dirty city like there's just trash everywhere and um, it really it really bothers me because if you know if people just took care of the little bit of pavement outside their house or if business owners took care of the little bit of pavement outside their business it would sort of be a nicer city but it's just it's it's not there's just trash everywhere you know and, yeah. and pe- people on a saturday night they're, they're walking through the city drunk and they're eating their kebabs and their mcdonald's and then they're just chucking the stuff everywhere um and often that i mean london is full of bins it's a very very bin full city which is amazing you you can just throw your trash away everywhere um but people don't do it and they'll just throw the stuff on the ground and it really bothers me now and and i know it bothers me because i've lived in japan and where of course they don't do that at all um so i am probably more hypersensitive to it and and possibly you are as well but i don't know maybe is wellington like that well interesting i am um I was talking to Rena about this because on Friday night I went into the studio, into the office. Um, I was, um, I just needed to clear my mind, and, and it's kind of my my happy place, I guess. And um, I went down there for a couple of hours and worked on some projects, and then I walked back through town, back to home. And it's probably around 11 p.m. Mid- midnight, that sort of thing. And it's the university has just started up for the year, so it's like all of mm. these fresh kids come in. And they're all lining up on the bars and the, and the clubs on down Courtney Place, where um, uh, this sort of the main street. And I remember walking through, and I was I felt like I felt like I was uh, Dante being led by by Virgil through the forest, through the through the great you know this this kind of journey through through the world as I watched these young children um, lining up in this you know vaccine passes, you know scanning into this club, you know because we, we Omicron's you know ripping through um you know tens of thousands of cases every day uh, not much else but you know there's this kind of desire to get out and to um experience the world overrides all of that um or, you know for good you know and i think that's 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 a good thing but i was looking at their faces and just the the attitudes and the energies and thinking you know i once was like this but there's this sort of absolute it's it's, it's you know it's the self you know and it's like kind of emerging an emergent behavior as they seek out meaning and experience as they kind of experiment with their relationship with the world and um you know they're eating mcdonald's they're scootering scootering around you know they're kind of they're in the world but they they don't necessarily understand much much more beyond their kind of individual selves Mm. Um, and it's naturally selfish right and i think children uh, you know, are selfish creatures, and it takes a long time for that to eventually grow. And, and as you become into an adult, part of becoming an adult is accepting responsibility for other 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 people, other things, and and the world. 
um, a world around you. Um, and, and I've noticed that in myself now, you know, I feel more of a, a I guess, a responsibility for others, um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, desire. And, uh, you know, if, if no one else is going to do it, you know, obviously it comes down to me to do it. Um, and uh, it's been a slow journey, no doubt, but um, it, it feels like the right thing. Um, but when I look at these these young people and I think, yeah, you know, and, and for good, you know, I think it's good for them to be in their own little world. Um, but at the same time, it, it's it's um, it's just one stage of growth and there necessarily needs to be more beyond that. There does. Yeah. How can we get that? How can we do that? Yeah. I mean, what what I came back to talking to um, a friend of mine was coming back to uh, the philosopher king of, of, of Socrates, which is the kind of the hmm. the highest possible um, how's your governance? Um, you know, because democracy is actually quite a low, a low level of, of governance. It, it works in some ways, but it doesn't work in others. But the kind of the ultimate is the philosopher king. You know, and Marcus Aurelius is a close, um, a close mm. contender for that kind of role. You know, someone who mm. understands philosophy and is a philosopher themselves, but they they they're in this position of leadership. And I, I think what we're lacking today is generally in, in our systems all of our systems are f- focused on this kind of fake um, this veneer this this facade of of um, of leadership and you know mm-hmm. the all of the the governance governance we have you know in, in New Zealand or wherever it, it, it's 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 two-dimensional you know that there's no that there's no spiritual or uh, moral guidance you know I don't, I don't really like to use the word spiritual because that sounds a bit woo but you know call it morals right what what is the moralistic principle that guides uh, a leader to to be a leader you know and to put others before themselves because the philosopher king shouldn't shouldn't own anything you know this idea like um that they shouldn't have any financial interest in the success of the system that they are responsible for they should just do it because it's the right thing to do um but when you start perverting that by having a, a financial interest, um, you get these um, oligarchies and different things happen, which are not actually good for, for society generally. Um, yeah, and I mean that's exactly what all governments are rife with at the moment, right? The Biden administration and even yeah, well they're Boris all actors, Johnson, you know. And okay. I have no doubt, um, you know, even Jacinda, you know, our dear leader, um, I have no doubt in their home life, you know, that they are a certain thing. But when they become mediated personalities, that they're not human anymore. They are just objects, and they're playing a game. And for them, it is a game. Um, just like you and I talk about, um, uh, we imagine, you know, fictional worlds, and we create these stories and these imaginations. For them, you know, they're, they're playing a meta, a, a, a meta game. Um, and once you realise that, you're like, you can look at their actions, and you can look at it in, in game theory. You know, and they can do whatever they want because the game is the game is is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mm-hmm. not acting as human, you know, moralistic humans. They're acting as as characters on a TV show. Um, you know, and, and we've got the bad guy and we've got the good guy, and the bad guy is Putin, and the good guy is this guy, and they're fighting it off. But you know, and there's a story arc, and it's been boiled down so much for this kind of Marvel comic generation that the bad guy literally has to have the Lex Luthor. You know, look, and the good guy. You know, the knight in shining armor. This, you know, Zalveski or whatever. You know, it's like, look, it's all character based, and it's not real. And that, and what I mean by that, I mean it's a real. The, the real things are happening in the real world, but the way they're presented in the media is not real. Um, and and when you start to realize that, you're like, well, that's that's a bit big, but um, it's it's entertainment. Um, 
and and it's difficult man because like dark, you, 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 yeah what do you do <laughs> oh well we keep creating and uh we you know we keep positive and we sort of um we not ignore the news like you know be aware of it but you know help out in other ways don't help out by watching i, I still posit that i i believe so in, you know yeah put, putting a bookend on that okay that conversation okay because you know you, you can get into an infinite cycle of just left and right and, and black and white and, and da 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 and talking about it and f- firstly breaking out of that system okay it's not a problem with, with with this party or that party or this thing or that thing it, the whole thing's broken you know we, we've come to the end point of it and the only thing that can happen now is for something new to emerge um, uh, but what what that I, I hope hope I'm hopeful for is that that new thing that emerges is a, a form of enli- enlightenment um, a form mm. of moralistic return and I hope that um, for us you know that means um, you know at a very basic level treating other people better um, yeah you know creating and, and being imaginative um, mm. you know things like that which can become infectious ideals you know and people start thinking well you know that the old system was like this but the new way is like this and we have the technology now you know that's the thing man like with the internet there's so much potential to do stuff that's decentralized and off the grid and off off the well not off the grid but you know off off the mainstream kind of radar that is still yeah. impactful in like our conversations um conversations we have with other people you know it's totally disconnected from the hysteria machine um mm. Uh, I mean, we talk about it, but we generally, well, we've talked about it for a little bit, but generally we're talking about other stuff. Um, and if enough people do that, then it creates this parallel society, which can actually be a, bit, a better place. And people think, you know what, I'm going to jump the fence and um, just disconnect from that one and plug into the new one. Um, and yeah, that, I think that's the best we can do, man. So yeah, that, that's to, to answer the question, is the world ending? No, it's not. Is it going to be okay? <laughs> yes, yes, it will. Um, uh, what? What else did we have? Um, I know you, you had a few notes you wanted to cover. I, w- I wanted to ask you about this video that you've just released on YouTube, which was absolutely amazing um, oh, yeah. and inspired me to write some music, um, which I which I just like pulled out of my ass in five minutes. But um, yeah, this video you released, the tech... No, the what was it? Of, the, the art of motion uh, and the tech... No, no, tech no, the tech... The art the of art? this... Oh, what did I even call it, man? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, it, it, to, to preface this, like I, I learned, I was, I was listening to some lectures on on Plato, Plato and Socrates, and they talk about techne, yeah. which is the Greek word for like your your practice, the learned right. practice with a. Um, so it's the basis of like technology as as a word, um, but this idea of like a learned practice that has a clear process, and. Mm. Um, um, a clear process and a clear way of doing things, which is a bit different from, say, like poetry, which is just kind of, yeah, it just emerges. Um, and so I called the video a, a Tiny Urban Exploration and the Techne of Motion. That's the one. Gorgeous. Um, so I just walked around um, in Wellington, just near my studio, and I walked around with my uh, kind of, uh, you know, small camera uh, videoing just a, a little journey I had. And I actually discovered a, a small. I didn't intend it to happen, but I discovered a small entranceway into this like liminal space between these buildings. So if, if you watch the video and we can link to it, I actually kind of climb up into this empty space and, and have a look around in this this cool um, cool gap between buildings. And it, it's just a little little clip. 
It's so cool. I love it. It really reminds me of the old sort of PlayStation 1 days. Yeah. It, it really looks like an old PlayStation 1 game, but with slightly better graphics because yeah. it's real, of course. But um, I, I love it. I think this should definitely become a series. Yeah. Well, what I, so the, the reasoning for it was over the last couple of years, um, or the last year in particular, I, I have been pretty productive um, in terms of I've been doing a lot of writing. Like I've just seen off... Um, been, uh, I have a manuscript I've just sent off to someone to start having a look through and my books, my, my novel is, is, is really starting to come together, that's that's what the manuscript was for. Um, I've been, been working a lot of stuff kind of internally but I, I needed to come, uh, I realised I needed to come back to the kind of the raw ingredient of, of my work which is, is, is movement through places, motion through mm. places and I, I had kind of stopped doing that. In, in a way, because you know, Wellington is not a very big place. There is discoveries to be made here, uh, and you know, every day you can discover new things here. But it's it's not like Tokyo, where every street is a new a new thing. You know, Wellington is a small place. Um, but I thought, you know what, I, I just need to go out and, and and share that. You know, no commentary, just just a video. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to take photos. I just a video of me walking through these places, and I've done a couple of them now. And looking back, I've really enjoyed creating creating them and, and showing and sharing these these stories because um, I did another one the liminal car park um, which was you know just exploring these these old places and um, documenting them in a way uh, walking through them um, but yeah as you say it does feel like a video game a little bit yeah I think it's the first person viewpoint and the colors and the sort of the because you're in these environments that are very artificially lit by these sort of like halogen lights and I don't know there's something about it and there's sort of like this there's this hum in the background that I guess is coming from the lights or, or from the building around you and um, it was just gorgeous and there's this one part where you're walking across like a little gap that has been oh the planks um, yeah the planks yeah there's some planks over a gap and yeah. I literally said out loud as I was watching it oh my god is he going to walk across that like <laughs> For people listening who haven't seen this video, please go to Cody's YouTube channel and yeah. watch it because it's just it's 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 so simple and beautiful, um, and yeah, I, I want to see more. Yeah, uh, no, no, for yeah. sure. I mean, it's it's simple ingredients and it's um, just sharing. It's me coming back. So I guess the the meta analysis here is like it's me coming back to you know I've, I've gone on this journey and and I'm now coming back to the most basic things, right? And it's it's um, I don't know. It's, it's like the, the you know the grand filmmaker coming back to just you know a, a small eight millimeter camera and, and shooting mm -hmm. home videos, you know. And so it's like not not that I'm a grand filmmaker, but it's like coming back to just literally wandering around car parks and empty buildings um, and, and exploring. And and for me, that's the tech, you know, the, that's the urban exploration and the technique of motion is like, well, what does it what does it mean to do that? You know, how do you do that? You know, it's it's how do you how do you wander because I thought, you know, man, it, I couldn't. You couldn't even teach someone how to do this stuff because the the the, the way of doing it is, is quite easy. You just walk around an empty car park, but the way of seeing is is actually really like I, there's not many people like in Wellington. There's probably only two or three people who I could take with me and you know, out of my friends who I could say, hey, let's go for a wander because people aren't in that mode of thinking. To teach someone to, to come with you into a 
car park or an empty building or these like liminal spaces and just wander around without being like oh man what am i doing here oh this you know we're going to get in trouble or you know or, you know mm-hmm. without bringing all of their worries with them um it's actually a really hard thing to do man um, it's really hard and, and that's what I was going to talk about the sort of like um, the the fear that you're going to get caught by somebody or, or somebody's going to be wait like a junkie is going to be sitting around a corner or something like that mm. with, a, with a knife um, <laughs> you know these kind of fears are obviously not in your mind when you're walking across planks across a fucking like you know yeah. big drop um, but yeah if, if I came with you I I mean I would hope that I would be able to drop all of that in your presence and sort of like, you know, go along for the journey. But there would yeah. be a little bit of that nagging. Oh, well, that was the thing because I, um, uh, Daniel, who I, um, who I work with at, at my office, a um, good friend of mine, he, uh, I took him out a couple of weeks ago and we went for a wander, you know, and I was like, look, man, I've got to show you, I've got to show you what a derive looks like. And, um, you know, we started off talking, you know, because, you know, you start off chatting, right, blah, 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 you know, but eventually it ends up in silence. It always does. Mm. Um, mm. And so if you can get to the silence stage, then you mean it means you've done it, right? So you, you start around, you know, oh, you know, look at that, look at this. But then eventually you just start walking and you just motion. You say, oh, you know, maybe you just say, you know, oh, we'll go down this way or that way. But generally you can just motion your body and be like, oh, you know go down here and, and and you just get into this flow state where you're exploring the the city the materiality of it mm-hmm. um and then you, yeah you stop trying to use words you just see and um that's when you know that you're deriving um and it got me thinking so that those two that i've done i've released two videos of that and i've got a few more that i've actually got sitting there but i'm waiting to release those but it got me thinking about, I guess, the bigger philosophy of um, materiality because I actually recently got back into doing something which I haven't done for 10 years, uh, which is the parkour, you know, free, free running. Um, have you ever given that a go, by the way? No. Your no. lanky frame kind of... <laughs> no, it's not going to work with me. I'm very um, um, not, not good at that shit. No, no, it's okay. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not a very physical person myself, but... Um, you know, when I was when I was a kid, you know, we used to run around and jump over buildings and stuff. Um, and so, you know, free running, you know, which you, you've got this image of sort of flips and things. But really what it is, parkour is, is a French concept, which is the art of uh, movement. Um, and uh, there was a few practitioners who developed this. Um, and they, it was influential at the time for me, um, say, um, early to, to uh, mid, mid-2000s. Um, and that period, so like David Bell and a couple other guys who in France and Paris and that were developing these concepts of the art of movement. Um, and for them, it was it was getting from A to B in, in, in the, the you know the straight line almost as this, the least amount of distance. Um, and and I've come back to that recently, um, you know, because you know when when I was a kid, it was just fun, fun and games, you know. But now I'm like, actually, there's a certain philosophy to this parkour, which is to feel. You know, feel the hard concrete, the hard reality of the city, um, which com- complements the academic kind of philosophy of derive and of you know well, what is it to actually touch the concrete and to feel it and to run your you know to to, to jump it you know jump over the wall or to to feel it. It, it feels like it gra- that fleshes out you know, the conception of the city, mm. if you know what I mean. It's deep level Cody thinking here. Yeah, this. I think because well, <laughs> I was like, I've been, I've been too, I've been too academic, 
and like, well, you know, what is the city? Well, it's actually, no, what is the city is to get your hands dirty and to run around these, these car parks and to jump up on things and to see it from an angle that's never been seen before by anyone, mm-hmm. you know, which you can get to if you, you know, you're standing on, if you're standing on top of a small wall or a small, um, you know, some small object, you, you're suddenly elevated to a position of seeing, which isn't, hasn't been seen before and if you happen to have your camera with you you could take a photo of that but you don't necessarily need to have the camera you can see it and then later come back and take a photo um but you know walking the same path as everyone else and trying to take a photo from there is is never going to give the same result as seeing it from a new angle and taking a photo from Mm. that which i guess is why drone photography took off hugely right because we're seeing things from a new perspective from above like a bird's eye view i wonder if that's something to do with why it's so popular yeah yeah it's interesting i've actually tried to give drone drone photography a go and i ended up just getting rid of it and selling it man because the 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 difficulty i had with it was it was it was too impersonal like you you know you fly the drone up and it's virtual you know you're you're looking Mm -hmm. at it on a little screen it's not you physically placing the camera and the angle and so it becomes it feels very fake to me and um Mm. obviously it's beautiful but it's not it hasn't got the emotion it's not at human scale um yeah how interesting it's kind of like a map you know it's just like an an impersonal uh, overview of, of a place whereas if you can get to an angle get to a vantage where you can see and you can slip the camera between the gratings on the fence and be like okay that's the shot that you know no one else has had no one else can see you can start presenting things in a new way um and i I guess the to add to that i didn't think my body was up to it to be honest man um i'm not a young (laughs) a young lad anymore and um i i I did some free running and um i I was like okay man my knees are gonna be dead tomorrow you know (laughs) i'm gonna be hobbling around but I discovered the power of cold showers. Have we talked about yeah, this? Yeah, you did. You I did mention you. this in yeah in Signal. Yeah, honestly, man, I uh, I went home. I went straight straight home, and um, I had a, a cold shower, and I just ran the the water on on my knees and my and my lower legs and stuff, and it just honestly, it just it was magic. And I was able to do it like three days in a row. I was just what you know, um, after work and that, after um, doing some stuff at the office, go up and do some free running and jumping over things and that. Three days in a row, I was like, man, this is impossible. I think there's some powerful, yeah, some powerful magic with with super cold water. I'm rediscovering things that were important to me 10 years ago, um, but I'm coming back to them in a new way. So it's it's nostalgia, man. It's it's all all connected. Oh, it's all it's all come back round to our to our initial conversation. Yeah. An hour ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's that was that. And I mean, look, man, this is the cycles of time. I mean, 10 years is just a it's just a drop in the bucket. Really, it's nothing uh, in the scheme of the world. Um, no, it's absolutely not. I mean, you know, we're, God, I'm not even halfway through my life yet, hopefully, um, as long as everything goes to plan. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's plenty, plenty more to go. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, who knows what the actual length of it is, you know? Um, we don't know. We're, we're unable to know. And um, we can only live each day as if it's the, the last. Um, but it, I mean, yeah. even that framing of it's a bit, a bit negative, but yeah. Um, um, I I think it could be, but it doesn't have to be. Um, you know, Ryan Holiday always talks about this in 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 his writings, like memento mori, yeah. the Latin phrase for. Um, wait, what does memento mori mean? Hold well, on. Uh, no, mori is is death, right? And memento is yeah, memento. memory. So remember, remember that you will 
remember that you will die one yeah. day yeah remember that you're mortal yeah. yeah yeah um so live every day as if it could be your last um it doesn't have to be a negative thing it's just sort of like you know seize the day Ch- chase chase things that bring you joy right and and, and disregard things that don't bring you joy yeah yeah and and kind of get get rid of the filler you know like the filler yeah you know? exactly like, it's like sawdust man it's just it's just empty you know empty it's nothingness it's, um whereas if you can you can go out and and explore something new take go off the beaten path you know meet making your friend or, or do something um you're suddenly you know you're, you're experiencing the world in a new mm. way um mm. which suddenly gives more meaning to your to your life but if you're just kind of the hamster on the wheel um yeah, that's when you the, the kind of search for meaning can, can become very difficult because you know you're just sort of you know running along on the treadmill and i mean it's interesting man because i mean sorry just coming back to the, the free running thing because I, I was um i was uh, you know unable to go to the gym anymore um um and so i was like okay you know i haven't you know and i used to go to the gym and i didn't to be honest man i didn't enjoy the gym i know you, you've started going so i don't want to put you off <laughs> yeah but, i quite enjoy it um Honestly, man, I just found it, it felt like the most um, just repetitive, boring thing ever. And mm. I did it and I, you know, I got myself psyched up to do it because um, I needed to do it for my health. But I didn't fully enjoy it because it's just it's like this place that people go to work out and then they leave. And it's kind of like a, I don't know, the Uber Eats thing, you know. It, <laughs> and I, I recognize some people get uh, meaning from it and I can appreciate if you had a community and it was like a, mm. a you know a, a, a tight knit group, but man, the gym I went to is just everyone is random. Like no, there's no community. It's just go and you know you use it and leave. And I was like, okay, this is kind of bullshit. Um, and I, I wasn't able to go to the gym anymore anyway. So I was like, okay, can I make the city into my kind of workspace? <laughs> and yeah. it worked, man. And honestly, man, I feel so good. And like, you know, because a lot of people now they're like, oh, you know, there's no way I could do that. But it's like, man. You, bring, you know, you give it a go and you don't have to do flips or anything stupid, you know, it's just like literally just climbing up walls, mm. feeling it, feeling the city, feeling the concrete under your fingers, you know, and and that kind of motion, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, yeah, it's a practice, it's a philosophy, man. And um, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad like out of all of this, I've discovered that again, you know, like going back through the records and, and like, oh yeah, this, this is it, you know. Um, this nascent desire for this kind of thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm, that's a discovery for me, man. And um, I'm glad to get back into it. Yeah. And I'm glad to see that it's in, it's in this sort of like desire for motion is in every aspect of your life. It's not just one or two things. It's like everything. It's Cody Ellingham. Get yeah. Cody yeah. Ellingham it, it feels like me, man. Motion. Like it's, um, it feels righteous and virtuous and it's like, it's my practice and it, it's getting me thinking about, um, the philosophy of, of places and and how my purpose in this world is or there's you know various purposes but one of them is is exploring places and to be to, to fill that role you know and where other people aren't seeing what I'm seeing you know there, there's a space and a clear you know I have an ability to explore and and share these stories of places um, mm. especially as we enter this new unter- uncharted territory man like what What's the world going to be like in 10 years? I don't know. Um, someone's yeah. going to have to document that, though, and explore that story. Um, and maybe it's me, you know? All right. Well, th- thank you, man. It was, uh, it was good to catch up um, 
we covered a lot of a lot of ground today. A lot of things that I think have been on both of our minds. Um, it seems like yeah, we've just sort of brought it together. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. That was really smooth. Like it just started off talking like, "Hey, so what do you think about nostalgia?" And then we went on this massive long <laughs> rant about all sorts of stuff. I loved it. That was great. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. No, I mean nostalgia, man. The desire for for places, dreams, memories. Um, uh, yeah, there's something innately human about it. And uh, mm. I, I will finish with a, an idea that I've always had, which is the, the there's always this kind of nostalgia for the season that has just passed. And I think, no doubt, um, we always look forward to the, the upcoming spring and summer, but we always look back on the past of the autumn and the winter thinking, oh, you know, that was, that was actually quite nice. And yeah. there's something about that seasonality which keeps us going year after year no matter the hardship no matter the difficulty no matter the struggle we go through there's always a summer to look forward to and a winter to 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 opine and 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 think about um and to lament for um and that's the cycle of life the cycle of the earth around the sun um and the cycle of our lives so um we just got to keep on going day by day um enjoy the little things what was your other thing? Hold on pain ends, right? Yeah, hope. yeah, hope, man. Um, anyone that. who's having a difficult time, um, you know, life's a bit tough, you know, look, at the end of the day, there will be a time, and I guarantee it, and I'll personally uh, guarantee it, that there will be a time when you can look back on that and say, oh, you know, that was a tough time in my life, but uh, we got through it. Um, if you just hold on, um, there's always uh, a brighter future to look forward to. Um, and no doubt... Uh, you know new friends to make new um new experiences to look forward to and at the very least enjoying a a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or whatever beverage you like um on on a lazy sunday morning um uh in in your favorite place when there's a you know the the hint of spring coming around the corner um you know there's there's a number of those ahead in your life and if you just look forward to those then it will help you get through your current difficulties um and you're always welcome to reach out to me and Simon if you've got any questions or want to share your story. Um, but yeah, I wish everyone the best and uh, I look forward to catching up with you again soon, Simon. Thanks, man. That was great. I really enjoyed that. Speak soon, man. <laughs>